0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise God. So Lord, we just thank you so much for what you are doing. God, we want to say, Lord Jesus, we are your sheep, you are the shepherd, and this is your church. You promised you would build your church on the rock of apostles and prophets, and that the gates of hell would not prevail. And Lord, we just... So excited and grateful to you that we can be part of what you're building in this place and in this house, this church lighthouse. Thank you, God, that you are doing, that you've ordained something for lighthouse. Throughout all generations and time and eternity, you have a plan for this church for this time. And we're just so grateful, God. And we ask you to lead us into that plan. Lord, we want to see your vision, your plan, your purpose for our lives. God, we've tried our own way many, many times. But we want to see what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting a sermon series today called Our Destination. And it's going to be, I'm not sure how many weeks it is. But we're talking about where are we going We're trying to get a picture, paint a picture in our minds of where are we going. And I want to start by telling you a story about a baseball team called the Oakland Athletics in California, America. In 2002, this team was not a wealthy team. Out of all the baseball teams in America, they were one of the least wealthy. So they couldn't buy very good players. And three of their main players were poached by other teams. And so they were left with a a poor team and no money to buy players and the coach and an assistant the sorry the manager a guy called billy bean and his assistant a guy called peter brand got together and they said let's get a new vision for what would a winning team look like and they had a lot of opposition the the, all the old guys who've been in baseball for many decades said this is the way we've always done baseball this is how you pick a team this is how you're supposed to play this is the kind of player you need and they said these two guys they got together they said what would a winning team look like what would a win look like for us given we only have a little bit of money and we only have these resources what would a win look like and they came up with a new vision a picture in their minds of what a team looks like. Not just going through the motions of doing things the way they'd always done it, not copying every other team in the way that they chose their players and the way that they strategized their game, but they said, this is what a win would look like. We would have this kind of guy playing on first base. We would have this kind of guy or couple of people pitching. We would have this kind of batting guy. They may not be the best batters, but look how they fit together. In this winning team that we've got in our minds, And then they went about telling others the vision and trying to implement it. And it's one of the most amazing stories in sports. A a book and a movie called Moneyball have been made about it. Because at the end of that season, everybody thought they were going to be useless and they made the record for 20 consecutive wins, the most consecutive wins in that league of baseball. And it was a team of players that everybody wrote off and said they can never do it. Why? Because they had a vision of what would a win look like, and then they set about to do it. It's a bit like we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the Tower of Babel. All the humans got together and they said, let's build a city and a tower And God said, if this is what they're doing, united together with a vision and an imagination in their minds of what they can achieve, nothing will be impossible for them. My challenge for us in this series is going to be, as a church, where are we going? But also, for you, as a father, as a mother, as a young single person, as an older person, whatever it is, what do you have as a vision for your life? You say, well, I'm just moseying along. And I want to tell you, if you aim at nothing, you will be sure to hit it every single time. If we have no vision, the Bible says, the people perish. Perish. Why is that? Because God is a God of vision. He put imagination in your heart. I don't know about animals. I don't know if they can imagine. But I know that humans have an ability to create A picture in their hearts and their minds of an expected goal and end. And it energizes and it combines our our forces together and we work towards it and we can achieve it. Leicester City football team, at the beginning of this season, 5,000 to 1 odds against them. Isn't that amazing? And a coach comes in, Claudio Ranieri, and he says, I've got a vision of what does a win look like? And everyone else says, no, that formation's rubbish. That kind of defense is rubbish. But he just says, I know. And he tells his guys, and they band together. They say, what would a win look like for us? And the vision is so powerful that even a team that we're losing. I mean, a few years ago, they were in the third division. This year, they won the premiership. How does that happen? Are the players different? No. What's happened? The power of a vision. Saying, we know where we're going. Amen? Amen. So, um, Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2. God says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And the Lord spoke to us as elders recently. He said, write it down. Write down the vision. Make it plain Get a clear understanding in your own heart and mind of what is God's vision for this church. Not what is every other church doing, because that's good what they're doing, but what is God's vision for this church? What is God's vision for us as leaders, for us as a, as a congregation, for our outreach into this community and, and into the world? What would a win look like? If we were to say, we've arrived, we've achieved, we've done what God wants us to do, what would it look like? Paint it out. Make it clear and plain. Write it out for people so that we know where we're going. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. But before we get there, I want to just challenge you as an individual. Let's look at a few areas of our lives. Let me ask you, what would a win look like for you if you're a couple, a husband and wife? I'm going to ask you to think and dream and discuss, and I'm going to challenge you to write it down over the next few weeks. What would a win look like for you in your lives as far as your family goes? If you say, we've arrived in five years' time, ten years' time, twenty years' time, what does it look like if you've achieved a win? How does it look for you? What are your kids like? What's their character like? What's their health like? What are your finances like? What are your, com- your community of friends like? What is the ethos and the values of your family? What you like and don't like and the way you, you behave. What is, that, what is that like? Get a picture of what a, what a win looks like. And when you get united with that, and when you get God's vision for your family, nothing's impossible for you. And suddenly we can run with it. Amen? So, I'm going to ask you, what, what would a win look like? Let, maybe let's just take a few moments to think about it. Perhaps you're a single person. Think about five years' time. What does a win look like for me? I, I was t- talking to a single man uh, who was thinking of getting married, and, and I was saying, and, and you know, you've got to think about a whole lot of things in marriage, including. Um, you know, intimate, sexual intimacy and all these different things when, when you get married. And he said, gee, for now, I just, I just, I'll just take any wife. I just, I just want a wife." You know. <laughs> but think about what's a win for you in five years' time. What would be? Yes, I've arrived in your in your career, in your personal health and fitness, in your character, in your relationship with Jesus, in your church involvement. What would a win look like? Maybe just take a few moments now. Let's just be quiet for a couple of moments and just think and dream. And and I'm going to challenge you to write it down either today or when you get home or maybe over the weeks to come. But let's just think for a few moments. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What would a win look like in those relationships that are having difficulty in your life at the moment? Where there's problems? What would a win look like in your personal challenges, health maybe, or finances, or whatever it is? What would a win look like? Okay. Let me ask you then now. I believe that it's our job as the leaders of this church to hear the vision from the Lord for our church but I want to involve all of us over this next few weeks let me ask you let's imagine a visitor walks in off the street let's imagine Joe Joe Jersey man walks along the street on a Sunday morning and he sees the doors open at the St. James church and he says "Wow, well, I'm going to walk in there and see what's going on what would a win look like for him what is he looking for in a church What's he expecting? Let's just think about that for a few moments. What's a win for him? He probably doesn't want to be embarrassed. He probably wants some nice coffee or tea. He probably wants to be able to sit and just enjoy the service without somebody coming and laying hands hard on his head and praying in tongues. He probably wants to make some friends. What does a win look like for him? What about the people in the community who will never come to our church? What do do they want for our church? What do they expect of Lighthouse? Do they even care that we exist? What are we supposed to do in their eyes? What's a win for them? Is it that we engage in the community? Maybe provide some activities for their kids to go to when they're, they're, they're looking for something to do on a weekend or a Friday night? Maybe that we get involved in the community and do good work and help the poor or Do something. What are they looking for? What's a win for them? But now let me get specific. What about you? When you walk into church, maybe you've been coming to church here or maybe several other churches for many years. What does a win look like for church for you? Comfortable chairs. Beautiful coffee. The most lovely music at just the right pitch and just my style of music. A sermon that's entertaining, but not too challenging. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What does a win look like for you? Or maybe you saying, man, I just want to cry and repent every week and, you know, just change my life every week. What does a win look like for you? You know, the amazing thing is that probably every single one of us has a different idea in our minds of what a win looks like in our church. For some of you, you love three of the songs we sang today, but one of them you didn't like. For others, you love none of the songs we sang. For some of you, you don't like the venue. You like the venue. You don't like the welcome people. You do. We've all got different ideas. The kids' ministry. What would a win look like for us with the kids' ministry? Why am I bringing all this up? Because it's important for us to be honest about what we want, but also then to say, how do we bring it together? How do we bring it together? And my next point, so the first point is the power of vision. My next point is the power of God's vision. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I've seen this in my own life where I've been a Christian, so I've said, God, take the reins of my life. You lead my life, Lord, whatever you want for me. But then I've been busy working out my own plan with my own vision. And I found I'm, I'm struggling. It's like I'm going against the stream of the river. I, I'm, I'm trying to swim upstream. And when I align my ideas with God's ideas, suddenly I was pushed along. And I found the strength of the Lord in my life. And so my, my second point is, if we get God's idea... God's vision, God's plan, suddenly a whole lot of things line up in our lives. Romans 8 verse 28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. When we line up with His purpose and we love Him and His things, suddenly all things start to click together. Can anybody relate to that? Can you relate to a time where you decided, God, I'm going to put my finances according to your plans, not my cleverness, and suddenly you don't know where the extra money came from? Or my family, God, I'm going to start doing things your way. We're going to start praying together in the morning. God, I'm going to start dating uh, with a view to getting a spouse instead of just recreationally trying to go out with the opposite sex. And you try to do things God's vision, God's way, and suddenly you just find the power and the, the, the wind beneath your wings just comes in and God's with you. When we do things God's way, we get a result. We, we find something powerful happens. And I just want to say, in our church, we are committed. I've prayed several times over the last few days and weeks. I've said, Lord God, this is your church. You know, if we are here because we've got some other agenda, if we're here to try and make people happy, to try and meet the expectations of what people want, we're, we're really asking for trouble. Because we'll never all agree. It'll become a competition where the person who shouts the loudest and complains the most gets their way. And we'll always be jostling and saying, I want that. I want this, no, I want, no. But if we all come together, we bow our knees at the cross and we say, Lord Jesus, it's your church. What is your plan? What is your vision? What does a win look like for you, God? And we bring our wills into subjection to His will. That's when the power flows in. It's sad to say, but a lot of churches have become worldly organizations. And I'm not criticizing anyone in particular, but I'm just saying this because it is a definite danger where we get together and instead of being a church under Jesus as the head, we become a social club, which is just doing the same as any other worldly social club does. We get together, we have nice time together, we have tea and coffee, and we stroke each other on the back and say how wonderful we are, but we're not doing anything for God. Amen? And then my third point is the power of a combined vision the power of a combined vision you know i i don't believe we're ever going to get to the place where everybody's idea of a win is the same i i'm fully aware of that we in fact we don't want to get to that place i think if we get to the place where we all agree somebody told me actually was it yesterday the day before that they've got a sign up in their office that says If two directors in a company always agree then one of those directors is not necessary and I kind of get that Um, we we're never going to get to the place where we all agree because if we do we become stagnant we're no longer interacting with the world and with people who think differently to us. And God never wanted that. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, every time the church got comfortable and stagnant and inward looking, He stirred them up somehow. If they were willing to be stirred by the Holy Spirit, He did that. If they weren't, He sent persecution or He allowed persecution. But God always wants to stir up the waters and get us thinking again and and mixing with people who think differently to us. You know, there are several parables in the Bible, which Jesus told, which show that in the church, there is always going to be a very big mixture of opinions and um, closeness to the Lord. So he said, there's four types of soil. There's hard soil, there's rocky soil, there's shallow soil, and there's good soil. He says the kingdom of God is like that. So the church is, there's some people with hard hearts, some with shallow hearts, some with rocky hearts some with good hearts. He said the kingdom of God is like a tree which grows huge, but then there's birds in the tree. And the birds were pictures of, of demons because in the previous parable, he said the birds come and pick the seed away. So there's, there's going to be a mixture in the tree. Then he said it's like a lump of yeast. A little bit of yeast gets worked through the whole batch of dough. And yeast is always a picture of sin. He was saying in the church, there's always going to be a mixture And he said this in several different parables in several different ways that it's never going to be a pure, perfect church where we all agree because we're supposed to be interacting with the world. We're supposed to be allowing the world to come in and see what we're doing and interacting with us. But the result of it is that if we try to get a consensus in church about where we're supposed to be, there's always going to be yeast, demonic birds, and bad soil, shallow soil, rocky soil. There's always going to be a mixture of opinions. And so we can't say, let's just vote and, and have a, uh, you know, a democratic consensus about what our vision is. Someone has to say, this is what the Lord says. And the rest of us have to say, I'm aligning my vision, not with the leader, but with God. And that's what we want to do. But the power of a combined vision. You know, I've got a, I've got a picture in my heart of a church of people where we have very strong opinions, all of us. We have very strong ideas, feelings, emotions. We're all hearing from the Lord and, and in different facets of hearing the Lord's voice. But we have a maturity and an ability to choose to say I submit to God and I submit to God's order, and so we're going to align our wills with God's. Even though we may think different on many different things, we may come from different countries, different ages, backgrounds, different likes and needs. We are choosing, we are choosing to align ourselves so that we have unity and we're going the way the Lord wants. Not the way that Greg wants or James wants, but the way the Lord wants. And that's my hope and plan and dream for us as a church. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about our vision and where we're going. We would love for you to be discussing it for you as a family and as an individual for your own life, but then also say, what would a win look like? What do I want Lighthouse to be like in five years time? What is the perfect church for me? What flicks all my switches and makes me excited? What do I want? And then what does the Lord want? And how do I bring myself into unity with what God is doing. And lastly, I just want to pray for us. You know, in the book of James chapter 1, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives freely. Let me just read that to you. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And this is my challenge for us today. Perhaps we could stand. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your promise that if we lack wisdom, if we lack direction, if we lack vision, if we lack the knowledge of where we're supposed to go, we should ask you and you give liberally. You don't hold back. But Lord God, we choose today not to be double-minded. Lord, we choose that when you speak, we will listen and obey. Lord, we choose to... Use our wills to bend ourselves to what you say and what you want. And not what we desire in our earthly nature. Lord, we choose not to be double-minded and have competition where we're trying to, trying to get our own way. We choose to be united. So, Lord, right now, I'm going to invite you, friends, just to pray with me. Lord God, give me your wisdom. God, give me your vision. Give me your knowledge. Give me your sight. Of where we're supposed to be. Where I'm supposed to be Lord. As an individual. Lord what am I supposed to be doing with my money? What is my career path? Lord what about a spouse? What about my kids and my family? What about the way we spend our time? The, the pastimes and the entertainment that we partake of. Lord God what about our social circles? The friends we have. Our relationships with our family members. And our in-laws. Lord God, what about our church? What about my involvement in the church? Lord God, what do you want for this church? What is the vision of where you want this church to be? How do you want it to look, Lord? What do you want the children's ministry to look like? How do you want the worship to be, God? How do you want the preaching to be and the, and the visiting welcome? How do you want that to be, Lord? The pastoral care, the life groups, the prayer ministry, the way the leadership works, the The way that people relate to one another. The way we we bring in the lost. How do you want that to look in our church, Lord God? Lord Jesus, we want to commit today to your wisdom and not our own. We want to commit to your way. Lord God, I want to say for myself, I am sorry for trying to impose my natural desires on your holy church. I'm sorry, Lord, for thinking that it's something I can just consume. God, I want your will. I want nothing but your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.